Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This is a Lip Media Podcast. You're listening to Queers, a podcast about politics and culture with Simon Copland and Benjamin Riley. Were you smiling at my my creepy fingers? Yeah. Ooh. Because I guess you can see my hands better than my face. Uh, Sorry, yep. you, I'm just, I'm just oh laughing that because you've got to put that in the little outtake. <laughs> Are you smiling at my creepy fingers? <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, my God. We're in just full fucking nonsense land in these yeah. little cubbies. I like it, it's actually. It's made us both delirious. Me too. It's nice. I feel Nonsense it's much land more comfortable. Is my favorite place to be. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, me as well. I, I'm I'm pro silliness. Yeah, me too. I really am. I, I come across <laughs> I come ac- I come across as a very serious person, uh, but I actually quite enjoy being silly a lot. I feel like you switch it on and off. Mm. You're like you've got you've got modes. Yeah, I certainly do. It's the 7th of June, 2019. I'm Benjamin Riley. And I'm Simon Copland. Welcome to Queers. Each episode, we talk our way through questions on a theme, and this week we're talking about what queerness without sex might look like. Uh, Just a quick reminder that we are recording two episodes in one day today. So whilst we've recorded this episode on the 7th of June, uh, this will not really come out until July. Uh, That is because I'm going away and we're being super organised and talking about these issues we also probably suggest that if you haven't listened to our last episode, the one just before this one, that you might want to pause now, go back and listen to that one because this is a two-parter. And whilst, I mean, I think that the conversation will make sense, I think it'll, uh, you know, if you just listen to this one, it'll probably make more sense if you've listened to the first episode. Totally. We have a, a, a minor tradition over the, the course of the podcast of doing these these double episodes uh, and they just let us flesh things out in a bit more detail. And I think this one in particular does really, particularly as you'll see, once we start the conversation, does lead pretty directly from what we were talking about in our time about 10, 15 minutes ago. So it'll be difficult to not think of it in our heads, at least, I think, as, as one big conversation. In our last episode, we spoke about sexual anxieties and hang-ups that can exist within queer communities But today we're trying to answer the question, how important is sex to queerness? We talk about sex a lot on this podcast and the importance of it within queer politics. But if we want to be inclusive of people who cannot do sex, as we discussed in our last episode, what does that mean for what our communities and our politics look like? Simon, let's get right into it. In our previous episode, we ended with the question, kind of a big question, if we're going to interrogate these sorts of issues in our communities around sexual anxieties and hang-ups and want to be inclusive of the kinds of people that we're talking about, how do we see the role of sex at all in the kinds of communities we'd like to create? In a, Where is sex in our, in our queer utopia, I suppose? 
do you, well, it's a, a, again a big question to start with, but do you want to have a go at tackling that directly? Let's just create a queer utopia in this politi- in this podcast, you know, in this, yep. in this next twenty five minute discussion. In our in our little uh, recording cubbies, we've yeah. we've actually uh, we've started just to to improve the sound quality, which which hopefully you can notice. We, we've we've started getting under our little dunas in our respective um, houses to create little soundproof environments, and it 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 looks very funny. We're staring at each Some- other. Turning turn us both nuts, I think. <laughs> yep, in our in our little our little crazy cubbies. But yes, in our in our little crazy cubbies, let's create uh, a sexual utopia or a a, a queer utopia. Um, I mean, I've, yeah, I'm sure I could have a good queer utopia in a little cubby, um, but that's a different story. This conversation is really challenging for me in some ways because I've always thought, you know, and I and I do still think about sex as being integral to queerness to an extent and that you know we've had this discussion in I think we had this discussion in the episode uh, titled Filthy Queers which we did a couple of months ago where we we spoke about the sort of removal of sex from queer spaces and I find that so frustrating and I, I really hate the removal of discourse from sex from these spaces and in my queer utopia I've always thought about this sort of sexual part of it that that it's an integral part of it and that you know to me queerness is about the act of fucking in many ways ways you know that that there is an integral question of and i and i use the word fucking deliberately uh even though it probably means that we'll get an explicit rating on this episode uh that i think we, I think we have explicit ratings on all of our episodes so. oh okay great so i'm fine i'll just say it over and over yep. again fucking 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 it's you know and, and and i mean that and i use that deliberately because i think that there is something really powerful about that term in terms of in terms of a sexual act but also about like fucking up society and i and i think that that to me i really love the integral part of fucking that exists within queerness uh but then there's this question and this sort of this whole sort of discussion sort of came from a, a, an email that we had from a listener who spoke about you know how do we see the role of you know how do we how do we incorporate people who cannot do sex within a queerness and what does that mean and i'm really struggling with that because i think that there is a real challenge about what that means and mm. you know and when we have what we call sexual identities which are to me are based around um around sex and have historically been based around sex and that for uh, and I think specifically for gays, lesbians, and bisexual people, uh, and people who engage in different sexualities, the, the historical oppression has been based on sex. It's it's you know people say that we've criminalised love, and I think that that is has never been true. No, love has never been criminalised. Sex has been criminalised, and the history of this this sort of you know the history of oppression is often based in sex. You know we spoke about that a, a little bit in the last episode where we spoke about the you know so, so, you know anti sodomy laws and and the particular criminalization of gay male sex that happened in a lot of in a lot of our history uh, and then also the uh, the denial of lesbian sex and the denial of uh, and the sort of uh, the 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 rape of, of lesbian women uh, to denial the hist- you know the the sexualities and the sex that they have and so I've always seen sex as being really integral you know part of me there's part of me like a very small part of me that wants to be all like you know asexual utopia involves sex and you know that is really important but then obviously there are much more nuanced part of me that is like well you know I I'm very hesitant in the sort of spate people you know sort of discourse around queer communities and queer futures that want to sort of close the gate and want to limit and sort of define what a queer community is. Yeah, and- or, or, or obviously like prescribe certain visions of, of what the kind of ideal behaviour looks like. Because I, I think that that's yeah, uh, something totally. that I, I feel like this goes beyond the idea that a queer utopia would really involve sex. For me, it's that 
I, I think I have this default assumption that, that I'm really trying to interrogate that what it is to be a human fundamentally involves sex and that part of the, the joy and the, the, the power of queerness is to really embrace and, and reclaim and, and center that idea of, of people as sexual beings and, and to, to kind of go, well, sex is a, a part of being a person. And, I, and to kind of state it so boldly like that makes it sound way more like essentialized and uh, hegemonic, I suppose, than I perhaps think about it usually. But it's also perhaps useful to put it in those terms to kind of go, well, I don't know, like, is it? Can you make a claim like that? I think that claim has been really at the heart of sexual politics in queer communities for decades. And I I agree. And and there's part of me that wants to be, well, that's you know, and this is where I'm trying to integrate myself, and you know, like, well, that is true, and that, you know, sex is such a... Uh, for me, it feels... Sometimes when I do it, uh, and I, you know, and I, and I enjoy it... I, I, I when don't you mean do the sex and enjoy the I enjoy sex. sex, you know, but, uh, like, some part of the enjoyment I get out of sex is the almost... Uh, and I find myself, you know, questioning the use of this term, but let's go with it anyway, the almost animalistic part of it, the sort of the raw, like, physical nature of it and the sort of drives and the urges and the sort of biology parts of it that I really like. And I feel about this with about about other sort of parts of my life that uh, that happen in this way, that, you know, there's sorts of things that sometimes you just have those sort of, those needs, you know. Uh, you know, another example I can always get is whenever I'm, I'm sort of done a lot of sport and I'm just exhausted and tired and hungry and those, and I feel like this sort of biological urges for just those things come over, come over, come over me and I like that part of it. But sure, that is so sure. essentialist in its in its approach, right? Totally. I, I mean, I feel like that's why this conversation is so interesting because a, a big part of me is like, well, fuck that shit, right? Like, you know, fuck that kind of biological essentialism and saying that you know, you know, like we act certain ways because we are primal uh, ape brains. Do blah 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 blah. I, ha- I hate that shit. But, uh, but it's yeah, super important to like look at. The fact that, ah, but when I actually interrogate how I feel about this stuff, that essentialism is totally there and I don't know, I just find it super hard to reconcile those two things. I think there's some real difficulty here because I think that there is, you know, and you see this in academia a lot, in queer studies and gender studies, there's a real desire to throw out biology and I think a desire to, because it has all of these essentializing problems associated with it and it has the potential to be like, to be very prescriptive of this is who you are and this is what our life will be like and essentialism has has been historically used for uh, you know the for enforcing gender roles for example this idea that you know men are inherently masculine and big and tough and and breadwinners and women women are inherently more passive and sexually passive and and that totally. biology and and that and biology has been used as a way to to enforce those sorts of roles and those norms and so i can see how a you know gender studies in that case or queer studies have wanted to abandon that um but i feel like we also can't ignore biology like i think that we are biological beings in some ways we do have these things that happen in our bodies uh and you can't just abandon it entirely and there's this sort of balance that exists and i don't know what that balance is that says well we are biological beings our biology clearly influences us we just we can't deny that like that you know that you know to to go to a really basic level and this is not about sex but you know we need to eat and drink and breathe you know our biology is there we can't you know move beyond that 
Oh, we can, you know, there's people who want to sort of, you know, make it so that we, you know, we can just have, we don't have to be eating all the time or stuff like that. But that reality exists. But how do we deal with that reality without becoming essentialized in a question of sex and the, and the, the role of sex and the need for us to all be having sex and to be, you know, historically that an essentialized process that would say that we need to all be having straight sex or, you know, sex with the people of, yeah, of the opposite yeah, yeah. gender. And I don't know the answer to that question, but I think it's really at the heart of this debate. I feel like there are ways to think about it that aren't quite so binary in terms of is this biology like how do we how do we incorporate biology or not like maybe we can reframe it as a question of not should we be taking into account the quote-unquote biological urge for sex but just to think about it more in terms of like uh, what we want to create, right? Like, do we want sex to be at the heart of a, a queer utopia or queerness? Like, maybe we can just think about it in, in those terms. Yeah, that's a good question because I feel really mixed about that in that there's this kind of queer utopia and ideal that says to me, there's part of me that goes... My utopia is just, you know, everybody can do what they want to do and that's fine, you know, but, you know, and that's just, you know, we want to have a world where that's just what, you know, everyone can just do whatever they want to do. But that goes then to this question about, we sort of touched on in our last episode in the first part of this recording uh, about that can be, that can lead, and and I think it is in terms of identity politics leading to this sort of, you know, sort of libertarian, meet everybody where they're at and everybody can do whatever they want and let people be who they are. And what does it mean to say in a utopian sense of uh, everyone can just do what they want to do when it comes to sex whilst sort of not going down that path of not interrogating the role that social structures play in creating how we respond to sex and not dealing with those histories and dealing with that. You know, I think that we can have a queer utopia, but we're still always going to have this history. And what does, yeah, you yeah. know, and how do we... Well, I think, uh, well and I think it's, it's also that the libertarian fantasy is a false one, I mean, for lots of reasons, but I think primarily for the purposes of this discussion in that... It's not like a single person doing whatever they want doesn't impact anyone else. So, you know, we are social creatures, another potentially essentializing statement. So to to kind of say that everyone should just be who they are and we should be okay with that is to deny the fact that those different ways of being might not all be compatible with each other. And might not just, and might also that, you know, that people want to talk, you know, we we live in a world that where people want to talk about those uh, things, that those things that they are, and that that has influence over how other people may adopt, you know, adopt, you know, cha- you know, how other people may uh, exist in the world. You know, that the you know the perfect example is that of this is that you know if there wasn't a history of a gay movement and a history of a gay communities, I think my life would be very different, even while I probably would still be having sex with men. And I think that the 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 way we talk about these things has influence over how other people act and behave in these sorts of ways. And I think that we can't ignore that role. And this is why I find, you know, just let everybody who, be the, who they want to be really an unsatisfying answer because being who you want to be has influences over other people. Uh, it, just mm. histor- it, just, it just demonstrably does. And so I think that it's impossible to just stay say that and you know say that's my future because that ignores the way that 
those things influence influence our society, influence influence our world, and so I think that there is a requirement to sort of articulate to some level what kind of world we want to live in, and I don't know how how we do that, uh, and and how do you do that whilst at the same time not being like you need to stop having sex in that way, you know, because I don't want to be doing that either, right? You know, and, yeah. or you need to, you need to be having sex because you know yeah, we sort to- of all started, yeah, totally. you know, yeah. you know, you need to be doing this. This is like you know, I'm not going to be. My queer utopia certainly doesn't exist. You know, doesn't doesn't uh, have a world in which we say everybody has to be having sex. We need to be having this liberal, you know, liberal sex in which you know, the, you know, because you know that's obviously not ideal for multiple multiple reasons. So how do we sort of engage with the nuances of saying, well, you know, we have to be discussing this stuff. We can't just say everybody just be who you want to be because sometimes that that you know as you said it influences other people it, it sometimes those things aren't compatible how do we do that whilst also not forcing people into into a world that you know is coercive and that can and can be and just sort of creates new forms of oppressions mm. i mean I, I just i just keep coming back to this question of well essentially like what is queerness i guess is the short of it like thinking about being able to incorporate non, I don't want to say asexuality, but like broadly sort of non-sexual experience into queer spaces raises a question of like, well, what what actually, what what is queerness? I mean, what are we, if, if we're not that, if we're not thinking about kind of sexual and gender diversity, what 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 is it? I think that there's a there's an argument to be made that the queer political project is a kind of anti-normative one that what we are trying to do with queerness is to critique, is to be a challenge to normative modes of doing sex and sexuality. But that, I guess, you know, further raises the question of can we have, under those terms, can we have a queer utopia at all? You know, like like what happens when queerness becomes a normative project I don't know. I feel like I'm saying a lot of different things here, but yeah, at the, at the heart of it, I guess my question is. Uh, well, I think that you know. know. Sorry, I'm like interrupting you. Before no, no, can, do please. I think there's a really interesting question here about what is queerness that I think that interestingly gets played out a lot in you know Facebook groups that I'm still part of for no reason. Simon, oh, uh, uh, that uh, no, I, I've, I have culled myself out of a lot of them. Um, but I think you do see these debates happen around, and and actually, actually, do you know where I see most of these things happen? Is in stupid articles in websites, in gay websites. That you know, someone writes a really dumb op-ed that you know, particularly overseas, it happens primarily in those big in those big ones overseas, where mm. it's like these debates about whether people who are whether you know we're allowed to have kinky, you know, whether whether being kinky, you know, we should add the letter K to the LGBTQ, oh, yeah, sure. you know, yeah. you know, and, and and the same debates happen around asexuality. Is, is is asexuality queerness? Does the same thing happens around so many of these different letters all the time? And it's sort of this it flares up over and over again. But it what some in in a strange way, in a really dumb way, in a sort of identity politics kind of way, these debates are really about this question of what is queerness or what mm, is yeah. what are, what are these things and I, and I think that there's two different ways that you can really there's multiple different ways that you can bring this and I think that 
your one response is the one that you sort of engaged in, which is that a queerness is about critique. It's about sort of non-normativity and uh, that that is something that we should be embracing uh, and that therefore if you're non-normative that, you know, that, that you sort of exist within this space. I think that the challenge for that is that I think in reality most people... Uh, even straight people are non-normative in many ways, and so you totally, see this yeah. d- this debate play around around kink and around polyamorous people, and you see poly or kinky straight people being like we're queer, and so many people react against that because there's not those histories of oppression and those histories of the community, but the part of the community that those people have engaged in in many ways. And how can you be a straight queer person? And so, you know, I think that the version of non-normativity is really super useful. As a as one one angle into this, because I think that challenging normative sexual structures is really valuable, and I think that there's a potential to be like actually we all in some ways challenge these non these normative structures. It's that yes, how do yeah. we how do we you know and that and that we should be embracing that, and that we should be saying that this is a positive thing that's happening in our society. Let's embrace it. Let's let's make that a thing that we can use to build alliances to or, you know to build you know power to to break down these structures. But at the same time, we can't ignore the histories and the important role that queer communities have played uh, in these spaces and the histories of oppression and the histories of, you know, the, you know we've spoken about this a couple of times in the episode, the very direct oppression that people have faced, you know, that, you know, the, the criminalization of gay, se- of gay sex, the, uh, the rape of, of lesbian women to try and correct them, these sorts of things that haven't happened to people who are in kinky relationships. You know, there's mm. not that kind of stuff. And so how do you, uh, how do you incorporate all of these histories and this, and the, and and the history is not just of the oppression, but the histories of the community building that have existed around that, you know, that have resulted in these unique cultures and these unique spaces and this unique desire to adopt these identities as a way to say, to take that oppression and to turn, to flip it on its head and to say, and to take, turn it into an empowering thing. A lot of people who want to, who challenge normative uh, ideals of family structures don't have that history and aren't part of that tradition and that doesn't mean that they're bad people or anything like that or that they can't play a role but i think that this is the the challenge that exists within this question of what is queerness um for me yeah does that make yeah, sense totally. well no it does and i i think it points to a distinction between queerness as a kind of theoretical position and queerness as a political project that people are actually engaged in mm-hmm. and you know that that i think the nature of of political movements is that for as much as we are critical of identity politics, they they kind of have to involve identity in in some ways, or or at least it makes it much it's much easier to to engage in a a, a concrete political project, particularly around uh, elements of you know, behavior and and things like that, when when identity is a part of it. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. 
and and the and, and the history the history that comes with that identity too and, and the culture and the the role that all of that plays and i think that it's really but I, I mean, at least go and you know how do we then turn this to the question around sex right because what role has sex played in those histories and those cultures and those parts of the world because i think that this is where we come back to this central question you know that the sort of an approach of a, a queer critique of a non-normative approach is one that can easily not involve sex, can easily challenge sex and can challenge the way that we do normative sex actually and can do so. And I think that that makes sense. And I think that the queer utopia that can engage in that challenge is really valuable for me. But I think that that butts up against a tension of a of these community development and these histories and these spaces that, that where sex is integral and sex is like historically been integral and I think that that is where the real challenge lies around this question of sex in a queer utopia, in that mm. how do we how do we uh, engage where these two things butt up against each other? I mean, it's also, I think, worth making the point around asexuality and, I don't know, people who don't want to do sex for whatever reason, that whilst I think it's true, as we've discussed, that our society has a lot of shame around sex, our society is also obsessed with sex. I mean, we have mm. this kind of, like abject relationship where we're, we're kind of obsessed with this thing that we're also deeply afraid of and ashamed of. And so I also see political value, I guess, and, and even sometimes bravery in challenging that idea that we should be really obsessed with sex and that we should be incorporating sex into, well, essentializing sex, I, I suppose, in some of the ways that we've talked about. I got a few years back, I, I got super interested in this uh, this movement of oh, I don't my movements maybe too strong a word, but some some people writing about political prudishness online, like the idea that you, in the face of sex positive movements that can have really normative, like you know, different from mainstream, but still I think normative ideas about what sex can and should look like, that there is power and value in kind of embracing. Or at least embracing is maybe the wrong word, but adopting a position of not wanting to engage in that and not wanting mm-hmm. to, you know, these people call themselves political prudes. You know, it's kind of funny in a way as a as a it's like an anti position in in some ways. But uh, I also found that that interesting and and uh, and wonder what how we might be able to think about that in terms of uh, in terms of queerness. Yeah. That's, I mean, I've, I've never heard of them, so I'm going to have to go and look them up after we've finished uh, recording. And I'm feeling, yeah, I feel interested. I'm like, I'm interested about that. And I think it's just such a challenging question in terms of how do we, you know, I was thinking about does this, you know, you know, you talked about there's sort of sometimes things not being compatible. And I was wondering about whether that exists in, in a way that is compatible with a sort of uh, sex positive movement, uh, you know, a sex, a gay liberation movement or a even, you know, uh, sex positive feminism and do those things butt up against each other or do they have to butt up against each other necessarily? That last point is a really good one. I was thinking about the fact that there's a big difference between the elements of respectability politics and and of, say, like the kind of more explicit uh, witch hunts for gayness, I suppose, further in the past. That is like obviously really shit because it's explicitly about shitting on particular kinds of people and particular behaviours. Yep. But... Like, looking at asexuality, for example, it seems to me that perhaps we can slip into perceiving it as this 
threat, whereas like actual asexual people will just be like, no, you do you and and we'll do us and yeah, and that's fine, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that like we we perceive it as a threat because yeah, I don't know because we we kind of read those sorts of like an overarching politics of like pol- of sexual oppression that that is perhaps simply not there. That sorry, you mean that we we read that asexual people are wanting to engage in that politics, or that they are or, also or the repre- victim of perhaps, that politics? No, perhaps that they represent that politics. Not not that they are explicitly engaging with it, but but it kind of freaks us out because we go oh, that you're, they're you're, like a, a symbol of that. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And I think that that is something that I I think we should react against the the notion that they are a symbol of that because I think that it's potentially true for some individuals, but I think for overall for the idea of asexuality and for the and the sort of the discourse around it that's clearly not true. And I think that um, that is something you know we should be challenging. And you know, and at, and at a basic level, a starting basic starting level of you do you and I'll do me. I think that is really yeah yeah, yeah. you know that's 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 a good starting approach. I think it's always a good starting approach, right? And I think that there's nothing wrong with it as a starting approach. But I, I, I guess I always come back to I think it's not enough. Uh, and I don't yeah. mean, and I don't mean that I'm targeting that just. At, 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 I mean, I target that at everybody. Uh, that it's you know that we that we need to be think. You know that there's there's a whole range of different complex questions about how all these things can butt up against each other in different ways and how one person doing one per- doing one person one person doing this <laughs> you know one person doing themselves another person doing themselves can you know it's, it's not as simple as that uh, but you know yeah. I have really no answers for how do we deal with that in reality well I feel uh, like it I brings that- us it kind of brings us all the way back around to the question that we started with even you know before we started recording the, the question that, that prompted all of this which is if we are to say you if we if we to be accepting of inclusive of all different kinds of people and to kind of have that starting point of you do you and and I'll do me does that in practice still exclude certain people from the idea of queer community and and the and projects of queer politics because sex is a big part of it yeah like are, are we does. excluding people yeah no totally totally and i yeah Mm. But this I mean, is that, where, that kind of uh, sucks. Yeah, it does. But I also, I don't know, I'm always very critical of language around inclusivity because I think that inclusivity inherently does end up excluding people. But I think also there's a difference. So I think that there's a real uh, interesting thing about, like, what does inclusivity mean? And I think that inclusivity in some ways should mean re- realistically being able to be included in society and to be respected within society and be able to participate in society more in, more broadly. And I think that often that turns into a demand to be included in every space. Yeah. And I think realistically nobody is included in every space in our society and that is an okay thing. We have social structures that exclude people all the time. But does that mean I'm not included in society as a whole is the big, the bigger, broader question. Well, uh, and, and I, but, but I suppose it goes back to that that point of like, do we feel comfortable about just kind of shutting the door at a certain point and saying... Yeah, yeah. And, and, there's and so I, much... I don't, you know. Um, yeah. But I take your point as well. Like I, I think... But I think it we is. can be nuanced about where and when we're shutting the door, right? You know, remember 
when we went to Better Together, the conference, you know, a couple of years ago, and they mm. had the different, uh, they didn't, the they had the, the caucuses, and we, because some people had listened in on the, I think it was the trans caucus, and uh, we missed yes, that, and, right. yep. and we wanted to go and listen on the women's caucus, because we just, want, and we just said we wanted to go and listen, and they said, no, this is not a space for you, and we, you know, in in that space, I was completely comfortable yeah, being was, like, of fine. course, yeah. you know, that's, 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 you know, we, we, made a, we made a request, we got the door shut on us, I'm okay with that, and so there's nuances about, like, even within individual parts of the queer community about what that about what where we get shut in where we get kept in and where we can get shut out I think that it's really challenging because like there is no definition and this goes to really to the point of this episode there is no easy way to define what a queer community is in the first place and we have so much discussion you know years of discussion about us even challenging the notion of the existence of a queer community Uh, and so I find it almost unhelpful to be discussing about shutting the door on the queer community because it you know doesn't does such a thing even exist sure it it exists at local events and it exists at local things right well i guess i'm thinking less in terms of of the idea of queer community and more in terms of the idea of queer of a queer political project you know like if you're someone and to, to go very directly back to the question that was asked by the listener that 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 prompted all of this if you're someone who doesn't feel able to engage in sex because you don't want to or because you have those hang-ups or whatever but but still are gay or, or still identify you know with queerness in some way is there simply not a place for you I for me I think or the do, is- do do we do we simply not share the same political goals? Actually, I think that that's a really important part because it's. I think that I personally want as broad and encompassing a political movement as possible because I don't think we solve things by narrowing ourselves down to small minorities. You know, I think that sure. solidarity and building mass movements is kind of where I'm at. So I think that the political goal part of it is really important. And I think that there's real potentials, okay, in this situation of the someone who, the gay men like us who are really into sex, um, what, sorry, <laughs> I'm sp- you know, I think I'm speaking for you, but, you know, I've, I don't feel like I'm speaking you know, out of turn by saying that about you. Um, Love it. Versus, you know, not versus, but in, and, and the capacity for solidarity with the person who has hang-ups or the person who's asexual. I think that those potentials politically are very, are, are, are very much there. I, you know, in terms of a political project, I wanted something that's as broad and encompassing as possible, and I want to be engaging with that broadness. And I find that it's so, you know, so much of this debate assumes that people of different identities can't work politically together, and that our identity shapes all of our politics. And I and I react very strongly against that. Sure. Where I was trying to think about it, I guess, is how do we how do we then talk about inclusivity in specific spaces and specific events and specific things, particularly when we're talking about minority groups who want to have spaces where they can sort of organise collectively. You know, you know, to, to to use the sort of often derided term to have a safe space to do those sorts of things. I think that's where this sort of question of inclusion becomes much more difficult. Mm, yes, and I think that there it it, it feeds into questions about the the process of coming out I think and and that we need to have spaces that people can go to to feel uh, accepted and affirmed and if all of those spaces are, are dominated by sex yeah what do you do with that I don't know. yeah and I think that's the difference between like feeling included in society as a whole and feeling included in 
in a particular individual space. I think that we respond to people not being included in society as a whole by being like, we need to change this particular... Sometimes we do this by saying we need to change this particular individual space to make it more inclusive, whereas actually I think that there's a broader question about how do we create new spaces or how do we create... You know, how do we? Which spaces do we want to change to make them inclusive? Um, uh, I think that that is a really challenging question that mm. can come out of these a lot of these sorts of things. Well, and and what does that inclusivity even look like, right? Yeah. I mean, I I yeah, I I sort of reject the idea that we would need to be creating sex-free queer spaces in order for people who don't want to have sex to feel comfortable in them. But yeah, no, maybe... sorry, I don't think I was saying that, but I, I wasn't intending to say that. Um, but. Uh, I think that there's, yeah, what, you know, inclusivity can mean having pe- multiple people who have different identities or different sexual practices in the same space together. Absolutely. Yeah. But certainly a, uh, I feel like as usual, we we haven't really come to satis- a satisfying definitive answer to the question, but I'm I'm glad that we've reflected on this stuff. Thank you, everybody, for listening once again. Or if this is your first time, thank you for listening to us for the first time. If you'd like to support the podcast, please consider subscribing to our Patreon. Uh, We have heaps of new content on there, and we have some ideas for even more new content coming out soon. Uh, So you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash queers podcast. Otherwise, if you'd like to get in touch or make a comment, please do so in in multiple ways via the internet. You can email us at queerspodcast at gmail.com. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at queerspodcast. I'm on Twitter at Ben C. Riley. Simon is at Simon Copland on Twitter, and he's at Simon Copland Writer on Facebook. You can find the podcast on our website, queerspodcast.com, or please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. I'm on some random Android app, and I get my get our little podcast feed through every every Monday, which is very nice, or every second Monday. Uh, and wherever you get your podcasts, please consider going and leaving a review and rating. Or if you get your podcast from multiple places, leave a review and rating in all of the places where you get your podcast. Uh, it is uh, reviews and ratings are really important in the podcast algorithms that allow other people to find podcasts. So. Uh, if you really like us, if you're enjoying this content, you know, <laughs> help other people find us and they might like and enjoy it as well. I mean, we don't know how the fucking algorithms work. We assume they're important. People say they're important. Uh, yeah. Hey, I'm, uh... doing my, I'm doing my PhD in like the internet. So, you know, I'm pretty sure. I <laughs> algorithms, you, so good. So you're an expert. You'll be a doctor on the entire, the entire internet. Yeah, the entire internet. Everything. I know everything about the internet. Well, if you would like a friend of yours to hear more from someone who knows everything about the internet then you should recommend the podcast to a friend, to your dearest friend, to your mum, to your brother, to your uncle, to your child, uh, you know, <laughs> within age-appropriate limits. Or, you know, we fuck are, it. If you, think like, they should, if you think they should be listening explicit. to this stuff at a very young age, fucking give it to them. I don't care. You're the parent. Uh, I, I I trust you. I don't know you, but I trust you. Uh, I'm, on a, I'm on a tangent now. Thank you to Lip Media as always. Minds, ben. Our, I know, I know. But we are not losing our minds to such an extent that we cannot thank our podcast network, Lip Media, who we love and who are great and who have brought a lot of uh, new listeners to the show. So, so thank you very much to them. Thank you, everybody. And we really look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, it'll be a couple of months on our end. But, um, you know, hopefully for you, the transition will be seamless.
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.